Welcome to the Leading Innovation Podcast. Let's learn how brilliant minds push the boundaries of innovation. Brought to you by B from 5 to 1. Welcome back, everybody, for another incredible episode. I've got a very interesting founder and someone who's running a very interesting company, and I'd like to share that with all of you. So, Bead, got that right. You got it right. right. That's right. Thank you. Bead with that uh, A in it. Bead is an eccentric serial founder and the managing partner of Antler. Um, We'll plug into Antler a little more in a bit. Um, he was, it's a very interesting background. You were working as a journalist in, in, in New York um, for ABC, which is no less. And then you went into consulting line with BCG, which again is very impressive. And then out of nowhere, you ended up forming one of the largest e-commerce companies um, that you ended up selling to Alibaba, again, no less. And then you went on to build, uh, I tried my best to pronounce this. Paraplu. Paraplu, which yeah. then raised the top 10 total VC rounds in Indonesia. And then you went on to run Tech Sydney, which another is another big thing. And I think that's with the the, the person who also sold Spreets, if I'm not wrong. That's right, yeah, um, that's right. And which is advisory service. And I think it fits well that running from advisory service, you end up uh, building Antler, which as if you're aware of it at this point of the podcast, they're pretty much trying to reshape the entire startup economy in Australia and New Zealand. And Bead is basically the managing partner running the whole thing. Okay, we'll jump into it. I think everyone doesn't like the the bullshit with the podcast. Um, I, you're busy, and I know why. I, I generally want to know why um, you want to be a founder. Was it something the usual, you know, selling lemonade stand crap, or did it, how did that start? It, actually, it, it wasn't at all. Okay. Uh, and I, in fact, I, I'm not even sure that I was like naturally born a founder. <laughs> right, fair uh, enough. I, you know, my my background was I grew up. Uh, in Sydney, uh, my there was no real business or commerce in my household. My dad uh, worked in Indigenous land rights, and, oh, wow. my, okay. and my mum was a teacher. Okay. Um, wow. And uh, so, so I didn't really have any background in it at all. Uh, I went to my undergrad at Harvard, um, and um, at the time was a was a historian. Actually, I, I studied okay. I studied colonial history, Jesus and um, and then got convinced by an Indonesian friend of mine that I needed to go even deeper and study Dutch colonial history. So, uh, which wow. was of course who colonised uh, Indonesia, and so. I moved to Indonesia. I, I, I went and studied this degree. I moved to Indonesia uh, and realized during this, well, I, hey, I'm not. I'm not going to be an academic. This is this yeah, is this crazy. Is I'm, not, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not built for this. And yeah. so I. Um, and so I uh, moved back to. Well, I was doing research in Australia, and um, while I'd been at Harvard, I'd attended a dinner that was being hosted by BCG, and so. Uh, I, okay. I thought, you know what? I've heard of this firm. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Uh, and I applied to them, and and uh, and sure enough, I I, I got in, um, and I really had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I and I, I often tell people this story about how when I uh, when I when I on one of my first days on the job, yeah. Uh, I um I was asked by a manager to write an email on her behalf um for for a very senior person in a major Australian company, and I, and I did this and. And a little a little while later, she comes storming into the room, and she's like, "Beat! I didn't ask you to write a fucking history essay." <laughs> uh, so, so this is very funny. Anyway, so I work on a bunch of things in Australia. Um, I actually met my wife um, uh, at BCG, and um, and the pair of us decided that what we really wanted to do was move in, be moved into the Jakarta office of, of BCG. And right. Okay. So, uh, and so we we get moved into the Jakarta office of BCG. Uh, and about four months after this, and this is uh, this is in in 2011, right? So this is before the in-mail, uh, you know, concept of in-mail and LinkedIn even existed. Uh, on this one day, I just received a friendship request, and it just said, 
do you want to build the first billion dollar tech company I in Indonesia? So just for quick background, I've heard this right before because Antler and Bid held uh, well, a thousand something person event in, in Town Hall in Sydney if you're if you're in Australia. And he said this exact same thing, which is I was like, I, I need to find this guy. I need to sit down and understand how this actually works because a lot of people struggle with founders, yeah. right? Finding co-founders. So yeah, sorry, carry on. So well, look, so, so I think, um, so I guess the point of saying all that story is that, you know, it, it really had just never been in my mind mm. to go and build businesses. Mm. Um, um, but what I would say is, you know, funnily enough, there's a, I mean, if you want to take a favorable view of, of what I'd done previously, there, there'd always been kind of risky elements or like this kind of pursuit of adventure or, or things that were, you know, obviously sure. leaving to go to the United States, having never been there, sight unseen, applying to a university and then just going, uh, you know, mo- moving moving to Indonesia anyway um, was, a, was a very unusual thing to do in 2011. Yeah, I was going to, uh, yeah. You know, when, when we said that to the partners of BCG, they were like, what, really? <laughs> um, and so uh, I, I had always been kind of open, open-minded about challenge, but it wasn't, I do not have, and I wish, and I'm very, I'm very respectful of the people who've got the lemonade, the lemonade, lemonade selling stand. story. Yeah. You know, like uh, that, that's that's really cool. It, it definitely was not in my blood. No, that's fair. Look, I wasn't one of those either. I wanted to work full time, do that whole thing. I was, I was happy, but yeah, I guess that's the vibe most people go for. Um, now, you're obviously you've built, sold, you moved on, but I think the part that most people often want to document and learn is the early days of most companies that they start. So you did not have a quote unquote founder background. So you obviously had some skill sets, um, whatever those skill sets were. And you got, you joined in as a co-founder of Lazada, right? I've pronounced it right. Um, What were the early days like? What, what, What did you focus as a founder on the early days to build this, to grow it to wherever it went to grow to? Yeah, so I think... I'd say a couple of things about in terms of um, starting skill sets. Um, you know, I I often kind of joke about having a background in, in management consulting, but um, gen, genuinely, I think that it really teaches you a bunch of a, a skill set or, or a toolkit that is immensely valuable and has sure. really informed my mode of operating um, now for uh, in, in my ensuing career. Um, and so that made a really, so that had a really big impact. And what was kind of, I think, I remember sitting around talking with Susie, my wife, um, when we were building um, Lazada uh, one night and just kind of saying, you know, it's quite funny. You know, we always thought about it as strategy and not ever getting our hands dirty. But actually the, the thinking that you did in that role got you very close. It was just that kind of that, the, the, the operational component that was missing. So going and building a business didn't actually feel... Um, in a lot of ways that um, that distant from what we'd been doing at BCG it was just that you had to add in a component of people management and and that for, for many management consultants they can't make that transition yeah, and yeah, fortunately for me it, it seemed it means it seemed somewhat easier so that's the first thing I'd say the second thing um, is I think we were I, I was quite lucky um, obviously the company company that had contacted me to offer uh, to suggest that I build this billion dollar company is a company called rocket internet um, has you know glo- huge global presence um, rolling out business models you know all over the globe um, and um, you know a great number of those businesses have been incredibly successful and and, and what um, what was valuable about that experience is it was an introduction into it was an intro- introduction into entrepreneurship um, that was, you know, there was a, 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 so to speak, a learning component, right? It wasn't exclusively um, making it up as I went along. Um, and 
What was incredible about it was, um, you know, and much of this was kind of led by by Oli Samwa, the the um, the kind of global CEO. Um, what was incredible about it was his um, pinpoint focus on on certain phases of building a business. Yeah. Right? Um, and the, uh, the what what he had done that I I, I still respect very much um, was to be able to distill um, certain aspects of business building into very very clear and crisp messages that were kind of you know relatively relatively easy to deliver. Fair you enough. know. Yeah. So. Um, and I'm not I'm not necessarily advocating for all of them because yeah, uh, because because it, it is a certain field of like just diehard um, work work ethic that that, sure. that, that kind of isn't for everyone but you know certain certain things like um, don't I, I never want to receive an email from you before 9 p.m. in the evening Jesus Christ because okay. <laughs> uh, because because you should be because you should be work you should be in meetings during the day and you do all your correspondence in the evening. Now that's wow. a very uh, right. it, it's a it's right. a it's a very clear definition <laughs> right. of the way you know um, of, of 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 what you should do or or, or alternatively and, and again this is this this Jesus, is right. this is applicable only in certain circumstances but yeah. hey you should um, you know you, you sh- a, a, a good founder spends forty percent of their time on recruiting. Um, yeah, which that's, is that's what I've heard you, as you know well. that yep. you that you that's that you really well. your focus as a leader is to go and find other brilliant people, Correct. and as part of that, um, that um, really the the leader of the business is the person who is the best at recruiting in that business because they are yep. the they they are the centerpiece of the business, and I and I th- so I think that and I think that that's I think that's really um, those are, I mean they're just some of the the kind of bits and pieces that I got to inherit rather than having to learn myself. Fair enough. So I think everyone says this, right? It's the best founders. As a founder, your job is to delegate. Just find the, the person who's better than you and just step away. Move the fuck on, right? Let yeah. someone else handle the better jobs. So that's interesting. That's It's good to hear the commonality and most of the thoughts that successful companies and founders have, which is getting the best. But just to, to steer away a little bit, um, there's, there's a balance, right? You have one set of people say, work tooth and bone until you've got the space to go ahead and actually hire someone. The question then comes down to yes, when when is the right time to hire someone? Yeah, I think um, I w- probably worth putting into context a couple of different. Um, I've done builds in a couple of different scenarios, so like bootstrapping builds, and then builds where um, we've had you know kind of starting finance. Um, I think it's obvious. I mean, this is, this is a, a really kind of banal statement, but it's really nice when you get to start with a bit of cash. That is true. Um, and why that is is um, because you can be really strategic about your hiring. You can okay. you can just absorb yourself in hiring initially, and and why that when you, when you get to do that, why that's obviously advantageous is is because plainly when you get to see a lot of candidates, you start to really get a feel for like what it is that you want in a role and, and who you're looking for, mm, right? Right. Whereas if I'm you know in my current situation, I'm looking for somebody new. That 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 that's a priority. That's you know, competing with maybe whatever nineteen other priorities yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah. whatever it looks Fair like. Yeah. Um, so, so, so from a from a, a starting point, it's always excellent when you can really and and you can take this attitude towards a co-founder or your first hire in a business anyway, because typically then you do have a little more time on your hands. Um, but no, once once a, once a business is once a business is up and running, I think. Um, the the uh, objective or the the responsibility of the um, of, of whoever is doing the hiring, but but most often the founder, founder is to yeah. one 
look look at be able to look ahead and foresee that there is some sort of need for hiring coming and to run a process kind of early enough that you ha- that you can spend enough time to, sure, to find a sure. high quality candidate it seems it seems obvious yeah um but i think if you've if, i think if you've gotten to a point where it's like you've you you know you're burning or alternatively you you wander into for whatever reason a key person risk mm. then then you know you've done something yeah. wrong Fair and enough. we all do that yeah. <laughs> happens often I want to jump onto the next thing, which is going, like you said, you know, having a bit of cash is valuable. Um, one of the most incredible things that when I when I was going through your history, I was like, holy shit, this guy is great, was what you ended up doing with um, Parapolo. I got that name right. Yeah, Hopefully this right. Awesome thank you. Winner. Thank you. Um, uh, what were the factors for, I mean, we're looking to raise funds very soon ourselves. What were the factors that went into go ahead and say that, okay, this is the reason why we were able to do an X amount of And sometimes obviously raising too much is not necessary. Mm. It's, it's not a status factor, but you obviously need to raise it because of some reasons. But mm. what enabled you raise it? What are the three things that you think were the most important things to consider when you were raising that round? Yeah, so um, it's probably worth providing a bit of back context. So, um, you know, my wife and I had, had left Lazada and decided to go and um, start our own business. And um, we wanted to do that because we wanted, we, we felt that, um, that was a kind of the real entrepreneurial yeah, experience, yeah. and uh, that involved basically taking all our life savings and renting a, China, a Chinese shop house on the outskirts of Jakarta, uh, which we set up as our office. And um, you know that 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 was a real bootstrap affair where we you know we went um, we got the business it took us eight months to get the business profitable. It was a kind of it was an e-commerce services business. We were nice. essentially going to brands and retailers in Indonesia because it was this was. 20, 2012, 13, right at the very beginning of e-commerce in Indonesia and, um, you know, brands and retailers weren't online at all and they wanted an online presence and we figured that this was a, a, good, a good opportunity for it, people yeah. who were experienced in it. Um, so we got this, we got it to profitability, but I mean, we, we, we went, and I often tell, you know, we went almost 18 months uh, with never more than six weeks of runway. So we really, we really hung, hung in for a long, that's, for a long time. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not naturally a vegetarian, but we were, we were vegetarians <laughs> at the time, you know, all, all, all this sort of stuff. Um, and, and, you know, that got us to the point where we could legitimately raise a friends and family round yeah. and, um, and the business kept growing and, um, you know, we we were essentially able we actually had this very formative conversation um with a guy who'd previously been a director of um, amazon who and he knew um roughly the business model the business model that we were kind of looking to emulate was um is now called ebay enterprise and um and but but you know we went to this guy and had a long series of conversations advisory conversations with us and and he was the one who was like look at the moment You've, your problem is you you built a services business and and it's not scalable yeah and so it's really not applicable for venture funding and um, you need to rethink how what, what your works. product is yeah. yeah what your what your what your model is um, in order to be um, addressable by venture firms mm-hmm. and um, it, it was on the basis of that so originally the business was operating under under the name Vela and we changed to Paraplu and and started to pursue um, you know, basically higher-end fashion retail in, um, in, in Indonesia. And, um, you know, what, it's funny because that is what enabled us really to be able to, um, to, to raise, um, 
to be able to raise what i mean it's kind of interesting in context right we raised one and a half million usd which was one of the 10 largest Mm. rounds right so it's kind of on the one hand it was like obviously really super exciting it was an important moment in the market but uh you listen to it today and you're like oh my god it's nothing yeah yeah. but Uh, back then it was back then well so and and this is uh, you asked me so so the first thing i'd say in response to the first part of your question which is you know, how do we get there? Well, it was, you know, we had a, a product and a business that was applicable where the people, people believed the macro story that we were able to say. Sure. And we had um, a solid understanding of, you know, all of the, not necessarily the metrics about how we were going to run the e-commerce product per se, but we were really... Um, well, we, we had shown a track record of being able to deliver on not very much money at all and to be able to build a very strong team and strong tech. And that, I think, was very compelling and part of the reason that the, the venture firm invested in us. Um, to the second point of your question, like how do we know how much to raise? Mm. You know, it was, an, it was a very appropriate valuation for us at that time in the market. Um, and this is December um, 2014. What's insane is that, you know, five months later... Uh, SoftBank invested a hundred million dollars into Tokopedia. Now, Tokopedia, of course, is a much bigger company and has gone on to is a titan yeah. of Indonesian e-commerce, obviously now. But the fundamental market dynamics changed um, in that moment, um, and then you, of course, good, old, <laughs> good old master doing yeah. his thing. So, so, and 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 that that's part of the reason why we ultimately struggled um, is just that 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 suddenly when and Indonesian e-commerce and Indonesian tech was just awash with cash. Mm. And, the, you know, basically the, the price of an engineer, you just put a zero on the end of it all of a sudden. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like what, same, same, for, same for AdWords, all those sorts of things. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't, this, is, this is one of these kind of um, unpredictable events that mm. happens and mm. we were just there in, in that year, the year that Indonesian e-commerce really changed. Um, and, um, and so we hadn't raised enough to really get through that. Um, Fair enough. But, but, but in December 2014, it felt awesome. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> That's, so if, if I can summarize your three things, like the, the things that you looked for was, you, did you, okay, and, and controversial or not, like, so did you change your business model to match yourself to be venture friendly at the expense of losing a few customers? Or should someone go ahead and just be like, all right, I'll put venture funding aside. Let me acquire customers. That's how, you know, I will achieve success. Yeah, it's, I, I, I don't think there's a one size fits all yeah, um, answer. In, in our case, what was convenient was we didn't have to abandon the services component sure, of the business in sure. order, right? All we needed to do was basically have a front end product, namely, you know, like mm. a, a home page mm. and stock and da da da, that um, allowed us to have a, like a product. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that and that and that kind of ran in parallel to the services business. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. So yeah, it's but it's it's very hard to kind of comment. No, I, I completely broadly. understand. Fair enough. Now. You are essentially running um, Antler, right? Antler is, uh, I'll let you tell sure. what, yeah. what is Antler. Uh, Antler. Antler is a generator, okay? okay. And a generator, um, what we do is we look for exceptional individuals. Yeah. Uh, and that's what makes us distinctive from any of the other forms of venture capital and private equity is okay. that unlike them where they are looking predominantly for deal flow, like for existing companies, we don't. We go out and we scour the economy to find exceptional people. Mm. And we bring those exceptional people into um, a program. And one of them kind of kicks off every, every six months. Um, and the people that we're looking for kind of, come from three different types of backgrounds. Essentially, you have people with 
um, commercial um, acumen that would be yeah. I would fit into that. Well, yeah. well I, I would hope to fit into <laughs> to, to that category. Um, people with domain expertise, yeah. and, and that can range, right? That could be a computer vision researcher um, who's just done their PhD in you know in AI yeah. and computer vision, or it could be uh, an actuary who spent ten years in the insurance sure. industry. And then, and then engineers. And so we take those three groups in roughly equal proportions um, into a cohort of anywhere between 75 and 100, 100 people. Um, sure. And why it's a generator is that those people over the ensuing 10 weeks basically work together in different kind of constellations until they form into co-founding teams. Okay. Uh, and then those teams present to an investment committee uh, at the end of week 10. Okay. Now, that's the, I'm glad you mentioned the co-founders thing because... Um, so with my experience, right, I've uh, so I've run another startup before that we had to close, um, and the, the, there's two ways you can get co-founders who sort of quote unquote match your perspective. Mm-hmm. You can get co-founders who fill in a gap that you have, or you can get co-founders who are just hungry. Mm-hmm. And you want to make something happen, mm-hmm. um, and I, I believe really, co-founders are very similar to getting married to someone to some extent, which mm-hmm. is you re- you want to be with them at their worst so you know if they can actually you can deal with them so how does antler or any program uh that is uh, equipped to help you find co-founders because that's i feel like that's in my head i was like that's the gap antler's filling is is building a co-founder as a service business right is Mm -hmm. how do you get a co-founder within two months in an enclosed area whilst you're paying the money Mm. um how does that work what metrics are you looking at to go ahead and say okay person a is fit to be with person b Mm, it's um it's a really great question and i'd say um i probably entered uh entered this year thinking that we would have that kind of um we would have a, a greater hand in the formation of, of the okay. teams yeah um but interestingly and you know people ask me you know when they're often when they're interviewing they're like hey what did you learn and the answer is, it's actually really organic. You know, okay. people work it out. Like, you, you think that you know what good pairings look like. And yeah, then yeah, those yeah. two people meet each other and like can't stand each other <laughs> or there's just no yeah. cultural fit. And so there are, there, I mean, there are, we, we try and, you know, we try and help frame frame it up for people. Say, hey, you, it's not, this is not a contest of who, who you want to, um, you know, go on a run with or go and have a beer with on a Friday night or whatever mm, whatever it mm. is but you need to have a, there needs to be a cultural fit and a, and a respect there needs to be a complementary skill sets if, mm. if you are overlapping skill sets and that that can be really problematic mm. or, 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 or you don't what you what you don't give yourself enough leverage right if you have complementary skill sets you create leverage you create um, you create clear roles for each mm. other that I think which are, is very positive Um and then there needs to be, I guess you could say this is also part of culture, but there needs to be a, a working culture fit, right? So you both, you, you need to see eye to eye on what your expectations are about, yeah. oh, hey, how long, do you, how hard do you want to work? Yeah. Uh, are you going to be available on the that. weekend? Do you have yeah. family? Are you, is this some? are you trying to do, like, would you, if you were offered an exit in three years, would you take it no matter what? Because that would be such a quick pathway yeah. or would you, are you in, for the long run you know all of the all of those sorts of things now so so we kind of coach them we 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 say to people at the beginning hey this is what you're looking for don't just don't just try and make find buddies but that that actual kind of moment of people meeting each other and talking and saying hey let's work together Mm. uh i I don't really have any involvement in because i just can't you you, you can't do that okay you know so 
I'll, I'll twist the question around and say for uh, we'll enter the last two questions. The question I have for you is how does um, for someone who doesn't have the luxury of Antler, mm. maybe they're based in a country that Antler doesn't exist. Uh, what, where can people go to find co-founders and what should they look for? Uh, if you don't have the answer, that's fine. Yeah, well, no, so no, I mean, answer. this is part of it. Yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. But, uh, and the other thing is um, what should they look for in a co-founder other than the things that you mentioned? Like, is it just, well, if I were to go ahead and say, oh, I met you at a meetup. Oh, sweet. You, 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 you like the same food as I do? Do you, is other than the, the more commercial things that go in when it's a more constrained environment where it's there's an agenda that you need to find a co-founder. Mm. How does it work when there's no agenda where you're just casually meeting up with someone? Because that's the most common question I get all the time is, hey V, I want to find a co-founder. Do you know someone you can introduce me to? Or is there someone I can meet? Um, yeah. How does that work? Um, on, I like so you know in, in my case uh, it, the the people that I have um, built businesses with have invariably you know what well, one in one case uh, it was my wife uh, in another case it was uh, it, w- it w- we shared a, um, a close friend okay um, and so you know those are those are kind of obvious pathways yeah. and um, uh, I, but but honestly, I've been mean, part of the appeal of Antler to me as a as a as a business model is yeah. that um, yeah there's there's really no other place that you can go in Australia right now to 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 have such a fertile environment to find co-founder. to find a co-founder yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you, there is no other place that on a single day <laughs> there are seventy four people who've quit their jobs who are ready to build a business yeah, yeah, who are yeah, diverse skill sets yeah. like that's it's that's our the, value the proposition agenda is you very just named high. our value proposition yeah. so there but um but honestly I think. And 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 I, I what I thought you were going to say is oh, how do you know that they're a good fit when they've worked only only worked together for ten yeah. weeks and but I I kind of I, I spin this to, to I flip this around mm. let's say that you got a buddy who's working in CBA's engineering department mm. and 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 you've got a great you know you're you're an ex banker and you've come up mm. with a great idea for a fintech business um sorry he's not your buddy but you know about this guy like. And you go to the you go to this person and say, hey, um, you know, Jeremy, um, I'd really like to I'd, I'd really like to work with you. And he says, oh, oh that's great, but um, I've got a mortgage and two yeah. kids, <laughs> um, so I'll work nights and weekends. And and V, you quit your job sure. and you and you work full time, right? And what happens in this situation, which is just so typical, it's just mm. everywhere out there, is one, you start getting annoyed because you're like, Jeremy, you're not doing enough work. Yeah, always the, the case. The amount of FaceTime and contact time that you have is actually yeah. actually less than the 10 weeks yeah. uh, that you would have in Antler anyway. So finding a co-founder out there is actually a really, really difficult thing. And I don't think that there's a panacea for it. I think... I, I think that people one of the, 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 the most common mistake that people make in my view mm. and you see this when you go and look at a lot of these the demo days coming out of you know universities private yeah, yeah, etc yeah. is this thing where people have shared interests where they have shared skill sets mm, right mm-hmm. and therefore some shared culture mm-hmm. and there is just too much similarity across the across the mm-hmm. co-founding team mm-hmm. now that's not to say again that you can't have two co-founders that are very similar and still make it work sure. but one thing you've got to think about is you are operating especially at the start of a business in an incredibly resource uh, uh, constrained environment and so your selection of a co-founder 
is your opportunity to create maximal possible leverage in terms of what you're going to try and achieve. Fair enough. And and so if you are going to make a selection of another individual who is quite similar to you, you need to understand why are you making that trade-off. Sure. So for me, I can't. You know, I'm absolutely. I have absolutely no engineering or technical mm. capacity whatsoever. Mm. And so if I was going to choose to work with another commercial guy, why would that be a wise? What, what 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 would I be gaining by making that trade off? I yeah, think yeah. that that's the starting question yeah. you need to ask. And that is funny because I was gonna condense that into my last question: is is being technical important? Because that's the one thing everyone says. I'm why Combinator has been one of the more pivotal companies that has been very uh, adamant. And even if you go to the application process, they're like, yeah, I need to have a technical co-founder in mm. the in the starting team. Mm. Otherwise, it's going to be hard for us to invest in you. Mm. Rare occasions they take people, but otherwise. So, what are your thoughts on that? Um, if someone is feeling left out, or they say, that, "Do I do I learn how to code?" I usually tell people, "Don't mm. don't learn how to code. Mm. Find a technical co-founder. Mm. You focus on you." But mm. what do I know, right? Look, um, I think it's something that. Um, it's something that you hear a lot. Uh, it's something that you hear from a lot of um, technical people who are co-founders. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you, you, you certainly couldn't succeed without being technical. Um, I, I think that one of the most overlooked <laughs> and ignored capabilities is salesmanship. Agreed. And, you know, you have no, like there is nobody in the tech industry being like, you know what, you know how you've got a really good company? It's been by being a really, really good salesperson. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and this is, is because it's a, it's it's not seen as a great skill. It's not seen as this, as, as, as an incredible yep. thing, but it's much, much rarer than good technical talent. Uh, and and uh, if you look at amazing businesses and amazing operators, all of them are good salespeople, yep. ultimately. Like whether or not they have a technical background or not so i think um i i, I raise that to say i i think this kind of idea of there being you know a singular pathway is um is, is misleading we, we you know there, mm. are, there are advantages and disadvantages about different co-founding mm. teams mm. obviously if you are un, if you're running a tech business and you don't credit if you are not credibly able to build the technical product that you're proposing yeah, yeah. Friend, like it's just it's also just an obvious uh, obvious conclusion to draw, right? No, I get what you mean. If it's a sales focused business, you obviously need to have. But I, I completely agree with you in that uh, this is a very it's not respected as much. And in the end, when it comes down to it, you realize that this you need to have that salesperson who's doing the pitches to other VCs or customers who just understands the customer work and people just know that. So that's fair. Last question I ask every guest on this podcast is, um, what is the one quote that you live by? It can be something that is recent. It can be something that has, you know, come with you since you were a child. Um, what is the one thing that you like? Okay. Now that I've had that in my head, I'm going to push ahead. Look, if I'm going to answer that question, I'd say I, I don't. It's not a. It's not a quote so much. Sure. But um, I, I think the thing that I have gotten most out of um, in my life is just is trying to be adventurous. And there's a lot of ways to describe that. Like, mm. um, you know, I'm not. Uh, you, 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 but what I mean is, in, in adventurous in trying to um, make life choices that I think are that are interesting and will lead to a. Um, that will lead to kind of diverse and diverse developmental experiences. Um, and for me, entre building building businesses, whether you want to call it entrepreneurship or mm. how, how you describe it, 
has been a way of doing that because there is this wonderful risk element, there's this wonderful uncertainty, um, there's this constant necessity to check your own assumptions that feels very much like an adventure. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I think that that's a kind of, I don't know, a theme that I see recurring no, in fair. my selections. The, the adventures is definitely a good theme because then you, you have risk and all this that comes attached. Well, um, B, thank you so much. Uh, last quick thing. If someone is interested, they've heard this program, they're like, okay, shit, I need co-founder, Ant is my gig. Um, how, where, what, when, why? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So actually, we have our, uh, our our next program kicking off in Sydney uh, on January the thirteenth. Um, so and you can apply. Twenty twenty. Of twenty twenty. That's right. Yeah. You can you can apply on the. Uh, antler website antler.co um, but if uh, for your audience who are out of uh, out of Australia we have um, eight offices operating globally and okay. you can find the application dates and, and so on and so forth on someone that same website to, if someone wants to get in touch with you directly is there a way they can do that LinkedIn is the best place easy how, the, how do we get yeah, your how, name? how do you spell my yeah. name yeah that's right <laughs> uh, B-E-D-E and my last name is more M-O-O-R-E Perfect. Awesome. Well, there you go. We'll have your link in the description when it comes out as well. So again, thank you so much for coming on board. Thanks very much, V. Appreciate it. Easy.